So welcome to the AMPS podcast. My name's Owen Peters. And I'm Owen Shirley. And today you find us basking in the late summer sunshine on the south coast of the UK in Brighton, where we travel to to speak to Anna Burtmark. Welcome to the podcast again. Hi, thank you so much. I'm really thrilled to be interviewed yeah. for the AMPS podcast. This is great. Yeah. And thanks for coming you. down to the coast. Thanks for, for turning on the weather for yeah. us. Yeah, you couldn't have picked a, a better time. No. Definitely. Well, originally we were supposed to come right in the end of March, weren't we? Yeah. Just a just week that Mr Johnson locked us down. So we had to postpone, but we were determined to make the trip to Brighton rather than just do it via Zoom or, you know. And it was well worth the trip already. Yeah, definitely. So <laughs> just to paint a picture for an audio podcast, uh, sitting on a stony beach not far from Brighton Pier. Yeah. Uh, surrounded by other people soaking up sun. Yeah. And in terms of Brighton, probably a pretty big swell, really. Uh, <laughs> this is actually pretty, yeah, no, quite calm. We get some big waves. Okay. I have recorded some huge waves in the past where I okay. almost actually got pulled out into the sea with my kit on. I was like focusing on the levels. And with no it, before I knew it, I felt this, all the shingles just just being just disappearing under my feet and it was I was very close to falling in oh. but I was uh, I remember that but yeah that was you didn't lose any kit no it was I stumbled yeah but uh, yeah it would have been an expensive fall that <laughs> just one. a set of hands sticking up out the water <laughs> holding your gear up wasn't yeah. it <laughs> basically <laughs> yeah. yeah so we may get some passing traffic we may get some footfall we may get some dogs sniffing around we may get the passing seagull or a helicopter but yeah we'll see yeah yeah uh, but it's worth it, for sure. Yeah. Um, and so what we're hoping to talk about today uh, is a little bit of your career, really. I probably best sum you up as an award-winning supervising sound editor and sound designer, for anyone who doesn't know. Uh, I've worked on some very interesting films mm. and been part of some really interesting soundtracks. So it was something really on a list for Owen and I, especially, to uh, come and speak to you about that more in detail. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and just get some insights, like, for a personal thing, but I'm sure yeah. plenty of people listening would just love to hear more about some of those stories. Definitely. And we're also interested, there's something Owen and I have been just discussing quite a lot recently, is um, the boundaries between sound editor, supervising sound editor, sound designer, and, on, you know, depending on the project, how you decide to credit yourself, all that kind of thing. So, and you've kind of got a very, you know, a, a nice variation of credits, which... Um, so yeah, it'd be interesting to discuss each project and sort of see where, how you were involved in each one. Really. Yeah. Yeah. So God's Own Country is, I think, a really interesting one to start with. Yeah. Um, but it's something you were credited as a sound designer on. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, so a film I only just caught up to this weekend, um, and always seen before, and both really enjoyed. We've discussed since. Um, something quite striking to me about it is how calm and quiet the soundtrack is, and reserved the soundtrack is. But within that. There seems to be lots of subtle opportunities that you've found to sort of um, illustrate characters' emotions yeah. through the elements of sound that are there, mm. given to you in the picture, in a way. And there's virtually no score, is there, in the film? There's sort of four music cues I counted, yeah. and two of them are virtually very low in the mix, aren't they, and yeah. very brief. Yeah, they're very, very short, yeah. yeah. So how, when, did you, when did you first get involved with the project? Were you, at what stage was the film at, and what was your relationship with Francis Lee, the writer-director? Like. Well, I was kind of um, kind of approached by the producers, uh, Manon Addison and, and Jack Tarling. 
I think January 2016 before they, sh they sh before the shoot. Okay. So um, yeah, they said they're looking for a for a sound designer for this film, and it was a you know BFI film, independent, kind of low budget, and uh, read the script. Yeah. And uh, I just it was the, the the kind of the sound world really popped out on the from the, the pages. Really, it was it was so well written, and it was so yeah, many okay. sound was very much part of the script. There's a lot of ideas there that I know uh, Francis wanted to um, explore. Yeah from the outset really, which was just kind of a, and also hearing from, from Francis that he didn't want to use much score as well. Mm. So I was like, this is a sound designer's dream. Yeah, right. Um, sure. And it was very naturalistic, very realistic, um, mm. but also a lot of these, a lot of unspoken. Because mm. there isn't much dialogue really, no, is there? No, Yeah. Um, so yeah, so, and um, yeah, uh, it was Vincent Watts' uh, sound team, he was uh, supervising it. Um, with J.D. Evans on dialogue, so really, um, and Vincent was also going to mix it uh, later on. So no, it was um, I kind of think it, I was, as I always do, start with the script, looking at that and what the film needs and what the director's looking for. I just saw that as a great opportunity to go out on location, really, and join join the the, ah. the team up in in Yorkshire. Yeah, okay. So uh, it took probably two, two two three days, and I'd done like a quite an intricate list of. I always, I always call it a wish list of, of wild tracks that I shared with Phil Cape, the production sound mixer. Yeah. He did an incredible job. We didn't need much technical ADR. We just mainly recorded added uh, breaths, really, to up the, the sensuality and eroticism and, you know, the yeah. intimacy for, yeah, for yeah. those scenes, which mm. is great. Um, but, yeah, so he, he recorded quite a lot of really amazing um, kind of wild track effects that I used a lot of okay. in the track lay, but I did go up to really capture the, firstly to see the landscape, mm. to get an understanding of the, the setting really, because it's so important to the film. Because so I'm sure, I, I assume Francis is from Yorkshire, yeah. is he? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it seems too personal a film for him not to be really. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And the soundtrack um, really reflects that, it's yeah. like no surprise to me that yeah. you did go up there yourself, because you can kind of feel that through the soundtrack, yeah. it feels very authentic. Mm. Mm. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't feel laid on in any way really. Exactly. Um, which is yeah. so important to yeah. how intimate that film is on yeah. a number of levels. Because yeah. that's what I thought was just fascinating. I think a lot of people might think of sound design as just being kind of loud noises or mm. heavily designed elements, synth sounds, things like that. But you've got a very delicate soundtrack there, but it's still design shaped, mm. yeah. uh, orchestrated in a really deliberate way. Yeah. yeah. And was, things like yeah. what strike to mind is things like the, the quad bike and this kind of like hard yeah. shifts in perspective yeah. and leaning into that. Um, whereas maybe people would, like, instinct might be to soften those elements. Exactly. No, it was something that I spoke to with Chris White, the editor, on quite early on as well. I was very lucky to start, because of the, this, the film kind of required quite a lot of, um, just really to explore and, and really get these quite abstract sound ideas right. I just realised that I just needed as much time as possible with, with these mm. ideas and explore them with Francis and, you know, up against the up against Chris's, you know, pictures edits as well. So I started on the rough cut from those key scenes and just discussed that. And we tried soft cuts, hard cuts, and really to ramp that, um, the quad bikes up and all the vehicles. It's just that kind of contrast of soft nature yeah. and the wind and everything and then hard cut. And then it's almost you being punched or yeah. slapped over the face. I mean, that was the effect that I really wanted to, to find yeah. because to really get that physicality in there. It's a very physical film. Yes. Um, and also all the farm sounds. I mean, I recorded the the, the, rain, the um, Land Rover. Yeah. Um, and I think 
yeah, the quad bike was part of the, the world tracks that I got from Phil. So um, oh, okay, it was great. all that amazing material. And also the, the uh, Land Rover had this kind of rattle yeah. in, in, in the car, like naturally. And I was, I kind of, one of my first questions was like, Francis, do you want me to just get rid of, do you want to rattle freeze? Like, no, 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 I want the real thing. Mm. Um, it's got, you know, it adds so much character. And also the realism, like it gives this image of, you know, the farm, it's, everything is slightly broken. And, yeah. And um, not just the objects, but the people as well. Yeah. So, um, so you kind of really want to inject that, and also the the sense of isolation and how mm. isolated it is. So, and one of the tricky things we had about the film was obviously it was shot in April, March, April, where you really get a lot of bird song, and yeah. Francis didn't want any any bird tweets or any bird song or any sign of life okay. in the soundtrack, sort except from when it was considered like really placing yeah. it. Yeah, lovely, very distinct moments of calls and singular calls at that, yeah, yeah. which feels very, in a good way, triggered and designed. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. And there's space to draw your ear, and it looked like not overwhelming, like a dawn chorus might be of all that sort of sonic information that you don't yeah. want. Yeah. It's been bugging me since I watched it, actually. I, I try to ID the bird calls and not being able to quite figure it out. <laughs> I'll probably get it in six months. But. Uh, there's a curlew, there was a lapwing. Yeah, there's a lapwing, northern lapwing. Yeah. I recorded that on the misty morning, oh. on the moor, six o'clock in the morning. It was incredible. Oh. It was really otherworldly, that place. And yeah. right. it's just, I walked up there from the travel lodge very early one morning and just to go up there and um, just, just to record the wind through the grass and to just sit there and, you know, you sit there and just kind of hold your breath quietly and it's uh, it's just not you won't see another soul up there it's just no. incredible and then suddenly you know obviously all the wildlife kind of runs off when you approach when you just walk over the the, the, the field really and then after a few minutes of just sitting quietly in the grass they suddenly they start you know, approaching again and the birds kind of start flying in yeah doing the noises that's so and great that you had that you had that time up there to kind of capture when you be when you're trying to capture the, the real sound of somewhere, you can't yeah. beat the actual sound, can no. you? You can layer yeah. it. You're always going to embellish, aren't you? Yeah, but of course. Yeah. For some, for some people, it won't make any difference, but actually, that was mm. great. And there's so much, so many layers. Although it feels very sparse and mm. quiet, there, there's loads and loads of layers of, of different types of atmos, like yeah. thin layers of silk, kind of, um, and obviously lots of subjectivity in there and symbolism. Uh, George's wind was kind of a sound device that we developed over the, okay. you know, Francis kind of had this idea one day, it's like, oh, I want George to have this, this, you know, wind that symbolizes him, really, right. that comes back, that we hear um, when they're together, and it comes back once he's left, that reminds Johnny of, of George. So, oh, that's really interesting. Um, yeah, little things like that. It's yeah. all kind of, the film is littered with little, little subtle ideas like that. Yeah. Um, which, which we had the luxury to have the time to really, um, yeah, try out and that Francis got to reflect on and, and so, yeah. Yeah. So did you build things up very slowly with Francis? Was it a lot of sort of back and forth of showing him the kind of your sound design in a place and then yeah. him feeding back to get, narrow that down? Yeah, I went up on when they were editing in, right. uh, in Yorkshire as well, went up there and, and sat with uh, Francis over a few days and mm. just, just sitting listening to sounds and, and trying things out and then we did that a few times and called these sound reviews that I really love doing. It's one yeah. of my favourite parts of the process really when you get to sit with the director and yeah, just... Yeah, totally. I've done my first set for Parser, the effects and the design and all that from yeah. obviously our notes and everything and then just sitting just listening to it and yeah. together and just trying things out and, you know, you, you've... In, you know, and yeah. it's kind of... Yeah, just a true just collaboration. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not every, all every project you get to do no, that. No, no, exactly. I, I really try and do that on, on every every film, films really. I've, 
yeah. Yeah. I find okay. that really makes a huge difference for the end product. And then, obviously, director is familiar with the with the, with, the, with roughly how the how the film sounds yeah. when you, before you walk into the mix, and then you just. And sit there's there always and going to be something tweets, that tweets. is important to them that they might not even be able to kind of communicate necessarily to begin with, but you can work it through, and then they'll something you're just never going to see because it's it's only them that has that idea. Mm. That's wonderful. Yeah. yeah. Well, speaking of collaborations, nice masterful segue here. Um, another film I was really interested to talk to you about was um, You Were Never Really Here, Lynn Ramsey's uh, film that you worked on the sound with Paul Davis. And Paul Davis would be the sound designer and supervising sound editor for that film. And you're credited as a sound effects editor. So, again, I, so Paul Davis is someone you've worked with quite a lot and must have a really kind of close, relaxed relationship with and a good yeah. communication with. So. I imagine that's a really interesting uh, collaboration between what he was bringing to the soundtrack and developing and what you were bringing as well. Mm. Um, yeah, just really curious how that balance plays out between you when you work together. Yeah, well, uh, Paul Davis is really the, you know, the man who gave me my first job in the industry, has mm. uh, recently got out of university. Um, so I was very lucky to, to uh, start my yeah, my journey in this industry, being his assistant and, and learning and sit, watching and seeing him work and, and uh, having watched him work and learnt from him, um, obviously is how what shaped my 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 craft really. Yeah. So uh, when he said he's working on a Lynn Ramsey film and they, I think they had just heard that they were getting they actually got into Cannes and had just a few weeks to finish the film. Oh, okay. So yeah, it wow. was kind it's of a tight all, schedule there. Yeah, exactly. All hands on deck, come moment. So he called me up, asked if I was available, and I think at that time I was I was waiting for a, another film to kind of lock, and they were delayed, so it worked perfectly. So I was very lucky to to get to work on that. So yeah, he wanted I covered all the spot effects, um, okay. hmm. gunshots, cars, and. Um, a bit of a sweetness for the hits and impacts and things like that. Right, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's incredible. Yeah. And it's always been a dream of mine to work on a Lim Ramsey film as yeah. well. Like, it's oh, just yeah, been sure. an absolute, it was, it was incredible. So yeah, it was great fun. So that, because that film's got a, a very kind of significant score, but still a lot of room for sound effects, sound design in there. There's yeah. still a lot of space. It's not a film that's yeah. scored right. The, the key scenes are scored just amazingly, I think. Yeah. There was a lot of stuff where there were effects in sync with score or kind of diegetic. Even there's a point where there's, he's filling up a petrol pump and the petrol pump's beeping on the, <laughs> on the click of the second hand on his watch. Just lovely, yeah. really subtle stuff. Yeah. Uh, it's, it was an incredible collaboration, I think. Uh, I know Paul Davis and, and Johnny Greenwood, who did the score for yeah. it, they, they had a very close, um, yeah, they worked very close together of yeah. how to time uh, the, you know, the, how to you know, balance the sound design and the music yeah. you know, to really make them work together mm. very much tightly as, as almost one. Yeah, there's moments where the music and the sound design is indiscernible from each other. And there's a big thing with kind of like the transitions, like trains and yeah. things like that where, yeah. yeah, really interesting stuff. Yeah, I guess it seems like that. If I, was, if I was in the position of being a sounds effects editor, I'd be really curious about yeah, where my job kind of ends and the sound design takes over or like how yeah. it was planned or how it sort of morphs into being a more abstract mm. moment. Mm. So was, was that always kind of there or did you kind of approach it layering up sounds as the scene kind of needed visually, let's say, and then the kind of sound, as the sound design grew, that changed or...? Well, I always knew that, you know, some back in my head that I knew that it's... it's you know, they've got a very, Paul's style is, uh, I mean, it's that kind of very uh, non-literal and um, finding that he, 
trying to find the right balance between the objective reality and subjectivity. So um, that degree of stylization was something that I knew we kind of had in mind to knew that that you know was probably going to be the road that they were going down at some point, especially in the mix when they had everything there and with Paul's sound design elements as well. So. Um, yeah, obviously, with my spots, I, with that in mind, I was probably kind of, my first kind of uh, pass of it was very kind of more, more realistic, really yeah. to nail the, the yeah. realism of it. And then adding layers yeah. of that were more kind of, yeah, more literal. So that was that, almost like a joystick, you can go turn it realistic yeah. or more literal, depending on yeah, where sure. they wanted to go. So giving those options. Yeah. And uh, they obviously, Paul shared quite a lot of notes with me as well from, yeah. from the spotting sessions he had with Lynn. And so, um, yeah, no, it's, uh, and um, yeah, it was interesting, especially the car was quite interesting, uh, the Ford Fusion, which yeah, wasn't really, I don't think it was out yet at the time. They got it from the shoot. Um, not, not, you know, quote me on this, but I think that it was, it was a very new car. There wasn't no, no kind of recordings of it. Right. And it's a hybrid car. So obviously okay, yeah. it has a very, the electric yeah. sound of it, and yeah. you can also get the very throaty, you know, very character kind of driven kind of sound of it. So I kind of track laid for both options really. So they right. had, so you can go between both. And obviously, some scenes where you just want it to be very much reflective of the character. Mm. Um, some scene you want probably want to be more realistic. So yeah, mm. so just give give the options and kind of knowing what to anticipate. Yeah. What what kind of they're looking for. That's really interesting. Um, yeah, excellent. I've worked with a, um, a sound designer in a similar capacity and he always val values that collaboration because he's always kind of slightly worried that he's going to get too much into the sound design world and he needs somebody to be a little bit sort of, sort of more objective in sort of doing that coverage. And it just kind of fee feeds this creativity for him in a way which is more satisfying. Mm. And so I quite like that idea of that sort of dynamic that it's... Um, you can be sort of on either sides of it, but you mm. can provide yeah. 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 Give very almost objective options that are more sort of reality. Yeah. And that can sort of give them the choice to sort of warp it or move it between, you know, like you're not setting yourself too far in stone. Or, yeah. yeah, exactly. And yeah. um, it's interesting because I think that's, that, I wasn't there in the mix all mm. the time, so yeah. I wouldn't be able to say exactly no. when that, when those decisions were made. Yeah. But I know that after Cannes, they went, obviously showed it there, and then they went back into the mix, I right. think, for a week or two. And, um, and yeah, there was a slight recut, and then they explored some more kind of sound design ideas. Cool. So I guess it's that the luxury of having, yeah. well, you know, having the time to reflect, I think, which is a really important yeah. thing yeah. to really, yeah. if you really, Especially for those films where the sound design makes just so much of the storytelling. Yeah. And it's so important to the experience. I think it's so hard to do it quickly. You just can't, I can't imagine. No. Yeah, having a doing quick time. Yeah, and, having yeah. time to experiment and just, mm. if you've got the luck to have a schedule that allows for that, or even to maybe have that, we always is a stressful you know, thing to having to turn around a whole mix, you know, for a yeah. festival. But knowing and hoping that might you have get some more money so you can go back to the mix and tweak it. That's that's the ideal definitely. scenario, yeah. isn't it? Sure. Yeah. You time for happy accidents, don't you? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, and I guess you only could have achieved something really so incredible for having that bond again as you, you and Paul Davis work together so well. He's got such a long relationship with Lynn Ramsey. Yeah, I guess it's, yeah, it's a trust there, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. That you mm. you trust that the person's gonna be able to understand and deliver um, that kind of 
atmosphere or those kind of tracks where it's really hard to put into words yeah. what you're looking for. Yeah. I think that's the thing. And yeah. having knowing your, knowing what to what they are what what the Montreal Pool would expect and yeah. hoping that what and I want to give over. And he to kind of like bring bring your kind of creativity to the project. Well, that's what I hope. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it really works. So. Such an abstract art, but yeah, it's it all is. the better ones. It's really very highly abstract. Yeah. It's more abstract sound design, you know. Yeah. So that's but that's what Paul Paul Davis yeah. does the oh, best. You know. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, so another film that was really interesting and that I only saw recently. It was only released recently, as far as I know, and it came into my attention because Mark Commode, the film critic, was raving about it. It was his film of yeah. the week. It, it was, was an incredible gosh, review. You, you <laughs> noticed, which is a great thing, um, was Lynn and Lucy. Mm. So um, that's something you were the supervising sound editor for. Um, and that, I'm so glad that that was, um, got such press that it kind of came into my field that you know, I might have otherwise missed it. Um, really kind of enjoyable, essentially British film mm. with, with that such powerful and subtle balance of themes yeah. um, occurring and that's again that much like um, some of the films we've been talking about already really just feels very embedded in a in a culture and a place yeah um, and again no score right uh, no yeah. even I think no score at all no lots of source music tracks yeah diegetic yeah. music yeah like in the bar and the nightclub, which yeah. sounded brilliant, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Well, it had incredible, I mean... Really, um, really authentic, I thought. Sven Tates and, and Yanti, uh, Winrich, she did the okay. mix for that, and it was, we had a great time. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. Was, yeah but again, really a sound great. designer's dream where... Exactly, yeah. yeah. And um, working with uh, Faisal uh, Bulifa, who I worked on a, one of his short films a few years ago, um, which won the, an award at Directors Fortnight in Cannes. Okay. Which was a very experimental short. Uh, it was great fun. So, yeah, I kind of also knew, you know, had a good relationship with Faisal and felt like I could understand what he was after and also giving, uh, giving us space and time to experiment and yeah. figuring out which road we were going down. Um, sorry, I'll start again. <laughs> <laughs> For the listeners, we've just... It's like Brian is to bump into people, you know. Um, <laughs> people are like, oh, what are you friend? doing? Yeah. Oh, right. <laughs> <You're> like, yeah. <laughs> this is anyway. the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Hannah's yeah. just been waved at by a friend. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm surprised we got so far into our conversation before <laughs> yeah. somebody came to say hello. <laughs> people start coming up high-fiving me anyway. Yeah. It's like, hey, what are you doing? <laughs> um, um, so, yeah, um, we're talking about, again, yes. trying to experiment. Yes. It's just always so fascinating to me with a film with, again, I... Hate to use the term, but for lack of better descriptions, such a subtle soundtrack. Yeah. But that's a very hard thing to, yeah. to master. Yeah. I feel like there's no sort of limits on it in the way you might say with something that's kind of very loud and proud and mm. forward. Um, hard to get that balance of feeling real mm. and yet still having a lot of kind of very abstract ideas or creative shifts in the perception of the story. Yeah. Yeah. yeah was it time time to experiment? You're saying yeah. really valuable. Uh, yeah, I, I, a film like that, we always have to score the film with, with ambience and, yeah, and sound sure, design. Yeah. Mm. And also, of course, sound is obviously the only subtle emotions are the, I guess, are the, in my opinion, is easier to convey using sound. It's like you can yes. really, it's tension and release rather than joy and fear like that, you know. So, yeah. um, and also, it's a film that should very much lend itself for, you know, not having any out. You know, very um, 
I guess, define and definite emotions. Mm. It was a very ambiguous, it's an ambiguous story, it's yeah. ambiguous mm. kind of emotions. And so you're kind of following, it's all in the performances of the, of the, of the actors and, and the characters and, and following their, their kind of journey. Yeah. So um, yeah, it was, it was great, great fun to play with the, you know, having one foot in the real, real world and, and the other foot in, in, the, in the surreal and really balancing that towing that line throughout the film and and really making it feel like you know we're really hearing it from the character's point of view we're, we're, we're with them and hearing the world through their ears and uh, with all the emotion that they in they, they kind of inject them in that world so yeah. in those moments Amazing so that's great performances. Fun. yeah incredible same with um, um, well all the films we talked about but God's Own Country as well the yeah. Kind of, yeah it feels like, like a four, four people parallel. in the cast who are just stunning, yeah. absolutely stunning yeah Again, it feels like the interesting parallels of like, because they are so um, genuine. Yeah. Um, and you bring out that genuine quality in the soundtrack of the locations, really kind of kind of believe the organic nature of those stories taking place where they are. Did it, was it again a case of going to those locations yourself and recording? Yep. Or was it more, okay. Oh, wow. Yep, went to Harlow. Yeah, uh -huh. okay. <laughs> I get to, uh, the places I get to go, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's incredible. Um, I have been to Kolkata as well on, on, a, on a horror <laughs> yeah. film uh, some years ago, which was an incredible, an unforgettable experience. But yeah, the, around the UK, it's brilliant. Yeah. Um, no, we went to Harlow and got to, uh, it kind of, obviously the film is set, um, quite a few scenes of the film is set in a hairdressing salon, yeah. so I got to go to that. I went to that mm. salon and recorded the, the ambience in there and oh, some brilliant. of you know, uh, the conversations and stuff, and also ambiences of, of, of Harlow, the, the kind of, and the cars, and just getting that, the flavour of yeah. that area, really. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. did it actually sound like you kind of hoped, or from reading the script, did you kind of go there with an idea of how those environments will sound and then go there and stick a mic there and it was very different? I guess, or? Yeah. yeah. But I also, yeah, especially the... Um, the kind of uh, undercover recordings I did with my umbrella mic. I don't know if oh I, yeah, yeah, the umbrella talk mic, which that. is very, very useful on, especially on, on that film. Okay. Um, uh, it's, it was a kind of an idea that Johnny Byrne, uh, mm. you know, introduced. I read about it many years ago. I think he used it on Under the Skin, and I just read the, you know, the making of from the sound an interview with him, and I saw that he talked about this umbrella mic that he put stuck a shotgun mic in a and a shaft of umbrella and just walked around, you know, Glasgow and recorded people in the street, like oh, wow. call yeah. outs and things like that, which are really, you know, especially if you're going somewhere with, um, that you want to capture mm. the dialect and the accent yeah. of the place, you know, that authentic, the authentic, it's more about the energy, I think, of the place. Um, yeah, I kind of made my own version of that umbrella mic and I went around Harlow in the shopping centres and the streets Great. and stuff and just tried to be very discreet, you know, recording people in the street, kids and chats and stuff like that, obviously editing out anything, yeah. you know, so it's not, you can't really, you know, recognise it when you names or anything like that. So, yeah, um, and layering that into the ambience tracks yeah. uh, to really just a bit of spicing it, you know, a bit of a... Um, yeah, yeah of, of the real place, which really helps. Because these um, aren't the places that location sound recorders tend to go when they're looking to build libraries, are they? No, yeah. exactly, <laughs> right? It's just... <laughs> and yet so valuable. So, yeah, yeah, and that's what makes it so interesting. Yeah. Mm. I've yeah. done similar in the, in the Welsh Valleys yeah. with a pair of Ambio, Sennheiser Ambio headphones, which are kind of discreet. Mm. To, you know, just needing the accent from that area to yeah. really sell scenes. Um, and yet you don't want to disturb the kind of natural comfort of people in those environments. And as soon as you pull a microphone yes. out, 
everyone's kind of attitude changes and you'd be lucky if you're not thrown out of most places so yeah um, yeah just yeah, trying exactly. to get snippets that could help to to sell that environment yeah, yeah. it's really yeah. great I, it's either people come up to you and ask you um, what you're doing or yeah. are you filming is usually the first question isn't it? and then it's, it's just a bit frustrating. Yeah, Yeah. so did, was the umbrella mic a new addition to your arsenal for that film or have you used it before? I think that was the first film I actually yeah, used and built it for, yeah, because yeah. I knew that I need to get a lot of that kind of that yeah. tension and that kind of uh, that energy into it and it's it's so hard to recreate it means it depends on the film sometimes a crowd session can give you that you know definitely oh, sure. and, and yeah. but, um, I guess the, me and these films we don't really have budget for crowds yeah. so mm. um, yeah. there's no big crowd scenes to justify a crowd budget so yeah. I mean I'd rather go and do make my recordings of yeah. the place and, sure. and yeah. sprinkle it yeah, yeah. So that's another theme which is kind of coming through all these films really is, is having this time yeah. um, where you are kind of involved in the film but also have time to go out and explore these areas and gather, which is, like, personally to me is, is the dream yeah. really, that you can sort of organically build your own sound library like that for each project. Yeah. And does that come from being involved at the script stage and, and being approached at that or is that something you work to kind of engineer? So you sometimes have to tell directors, look, I need to be involved earlier let's say um. well it's I think I think for most films I've supervised I've been a sound designing on I've been quite lucky to um, be approached before the shoot starts mm, yeah and having the script and yeah asking for for time to or you know to for a can you put me up in the travel lodge for a couple of days while you're in the shoot and things like that to really and then obviously also explaining what the value is for yeah. the film creatively to really give me that and usually they're absolutely fine with it and yeah, it's right. nothing that you know that um yeah it's not a problem yeah it seems like a really smart investment really and mm. for the budget like yeah. for a relatively tiny cost at that earlier stage can pay off so well in the later stages yeah the director definitely. has a very specific idea as well tied mm. to the mm. location that's the thing in the early conversations the director the location staying through yeah Having, having, you need to have those chats, and I always send my little world track wish list, which I derived from the uh, from the script, really. Um, sending that to the production mix, saying, "Like, is this thing? It's a wish list because I was like, can yeah. you? If not, don't worry yeah, about yeah. it. You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. We'll figure it out. If not, you we know. know it's not your priority. Yeah, exactly. But. Yeah. How, how, what is? How does that conversation usually go? Are they? Is that? So um, they're usually quite kind of infused to, oh, to yeah. be involved in that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I think most really. You know, in the ideal world, they'd be like, "Yeah, of course, yeah, I'd love sure. to." Yeah. But then you never know how no. the how the shoot goes. What so. pressure they're under. And exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's always nice to yeah keep those channels open on. Fingers crossed, really. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah. At least be in it to win it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Let's aim high and go from there. <laughs> Definitely sums it up. Um, so yeah, the other thing that like I thought was really interesting, the books really kind of identified kind of relate to is that um, at least according to your IMDB page uh, you still take uh, get involved with a lot of short films as well and you've got a few short films in post-production at the moment I think so I think that was a really interesting thing to talk about because I think for a lot of people a short film is just something you do when you can't get involved with bigger projects or mm. uh, anything with a bigger budget you know mm. you only do them when you don't have any choice um, but obviously for yourself, it's something you like to stay involved in. 
Um, and we can certainly understand that because yeah. I think there's a lot of opportunity for experimentation yeah. and, and kind of honing all these skills on a smaller scale. Yeah. Um, without meaning to try and answer your question for you, I just kind no, of really yeah, interested exactly. why you yeah. get drawn to short films. Yeah. Um, is it, for example, that the script is interesting, or do you kind of do you chase down opportunities to work on more short films in general? I think um, it's um, part of the building a relationship with directors, yeah. which yeah. who I, I want to work with. Sometimes it's um, a director who's got a feature that they're trying to yeah. uh, develop, and meanwhile they're asked to do a treatment or you know a, a short film to prove the co proof of concept. Yeah. And I always find, and they obviously ask me if I want to be involved on that because again it's a good opportunity to perhaps work together, maybe work together for the first time and get to know each other yeah. and and create ideas for the for this feature which hopefully will happen further down the line so it's always a great opportunity for, for many reasons I yeah. think um, yeah and also to obviously that what attracts me is that kind of exactly what you said is an opportunity to um, experiment with new ideas and um, working out concepts which sometimes takes a bit of time and in short films yeah the, the actual turnaround is once you once it'll be shot and things like that it's quite quick but there, I usually have quite a lot of time before I get approached and we got the script to when they actually will shoot and stuff like that. It's sometimes as long as the feature, so mm. um, with all the prep and stuff that they need to do and pre-production. So there's a lot of time for me to sit and you know, think about ideas I want to try and also definitely also work with the, close with the editor as well on shorts, um, sending mm. ideas over and for key scenes and we get that kind of volley going with the yeah sure. yeah i do tend to do that a lot for, for key scenes especially in features but yeah for shorts you can almost do a full pass and send it to the editor and the rough cut and they can we can have that conversation that starts off quite early on yeah um yeah so yeah like it's, it's really nice and also yeah. i know that you know it's especially starting out as a freelancer doing short films with directors who you like and want to you know want to build a relationship with over time yeah it can really lead to some some great you know great projects mm. a few years later. So, yeah, you know that's that happened for me yeah. quite a few times. Definitely, yeah, yeah. Win-win mm. every sense. Yeah, yeah. really. Um, yeah. And that other thing about quite like about mixing personally like longer form with shorter form. Exactly. Is, is that it can just keep things kind of fresh, yeah. really. Um, yeah. It's and, nice. And to I guess if you work on a supervising sound editor for a feature, it might be refreshing to then kind of work on something which is yeah a little more personable, manageable smaller crew maybe just yourself yeah, yeah. and also being doing a bit of mixing as well I'm not, I'm okay. not a mixer but for shorts and, and commercial stuff like that I, I just go in and it's like I'm, you know keeping my keeping my um, yeah my brain on my toes kind of thing so yeah, yeah. keeping Practicing myself on my chops, toes as mm -hmm. they say in mm -hmm. jazz <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, sure. yeah no, I'm nice. the same I do I, I, you know, I try and we, we, well, we both do kind of short form stuff if we can and it's, yeah, you, get, you do come up with some really interesting, kind of enjoyable experiences, don't you? Where mm. People are often, because there's no budget, if as long as they understand that they can't be giving you deadlines, and then you just spend the time, you get the time to kind of work on things, don't you? And come up with something really kind of creative and interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I say, try chance to try different hats on. I think the mixing thing yeah. is interesting because it doesn't leave you being totally ignorant to the idea of what mixing is. Yeah. You can have a chance to at yeah. least. Which again, yeah. I guess, as a supervising sound editor, is very handy to appreciate perspectives. Um, Definitely. That must help with the conversations. Yeah. 
um, when you're working through recording mixes. Yeah. Mm. Oh, amazing. Mm. Yeah, because we, Owen and I both attended a screening of a short film in Bristol, and there were several other films in your short film that you worked on, Mausoleum. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. came no up, and I absolutely loved oh my God. it. And that's a good example <laughs> of, again, it's very yeah. short, and it's just a monologue, isn't it, pretty much? Yeah. And it's another of those films where there's no noticeable sound design, but the sound design is in the absence of things exactly. and the kind of allowing, and again, an amazing performance. Oh, incredible. Yeah. And it's so the twist at the end it's, is just so good. You're I like, loved oh, it. yeah. God. I that's what loved makes it. it. That's why, you know, you get these very, very well written short stories. Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> you get to work and you're like, that's incredible. I, I love to do that because it's, it's, it's really satisfying yeah. and it's, you know, good quality storytelling there that you want to be, you know, lucky to be asked to contribute to. So, yeah, it can be fun. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, but no, I did a sci fi short film not that long ago called Muse um, where I got had Anna Sully doing the Foley right. and she went she was she it was incredible it was like a, a to kind of create the sound of this android which was kind of a humanoid kind of it looks human but there's something inside which you can just about hear that they've got a bit of servo a bit kind of right. you know pedals and stuff uh, you know piano pedals so that kind of yeah it's just really really interesting sound ideas that came from the director right. um so yeah but then i managed to get anasala to do the folio on that and then it was a really good cool collaboration because it really also we had a long time to really yeah you know tweak it and tweak yeah. it so it was great had a lot of material there to play with Lovely. Um, yeah, they so yeah, are sci-fi stuff. Yeah, you rarely see a, sort of a good short, short sci-fi short film. So no. that's great. Yeah, 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 sure. Well, one other thing, maybe we could ask you about not necessarily your career, but the the women who are yes. audio organisation. Oh, yes, the women who are sound. Women who are yeah. sound. Sorry. We kind of started started it yeah a mm. few years ago, just really as a very informal social mm -hmm. for women who are working in or studying sound. Really. Um, great. Okay. I think it came, the idea came off a, um, actually a Brighton-based uh, organisation called Lighthouse who did a, uh, I think they haven't done it for a couple of years now, but for three years in a row with this song called Stor a Sound of Story, which was a two-day kind of symposium of, yeah. with, with talks and workshops all about sound and, and storytelling with sound, which was incredible. Mm. Um, so I was very lucky to be involved with that because it was a Brighton-based, um, yeah, uh, arts organisation. So, and the last year we did that, we decided to add a third day and it was uh, a mentorship scheme for women in, in sound. Um, so at the back of that, all the their kind of alumni from that mentoring scheme kind of, kind of kept in touch with them. And so we started to, we had a uh, kind of a drink met up at Soho. So then we asked you, would you something you'd like to do more often as a regular thing? And yeah. they're like, yeah, so we did. And it was, and it grew. And then obviously I'm not on Facebook, but Anna Sully is. And thanks to, I think, the Facebook community that she really kind of worked a lot on to yeah. invite people, invite people globally from a lot of American yeah. sound professionals, it grew hugely. So now we've got over 200 members. Oh, right. Really that big? I yeah. didn't realise. That's wow. great. Um, yeah. And it was, it was incredible. And we've got a Slack channel as well. And then obviously since COVID, we've done, kept the socials going, but over Zoom. So we have... People from New Zealand, America, you know, yeah, mostly, most, most of our members are UK based, but yeah. just tuning in and, and just hearing and just, I guess, that thing of seeing and 
you know, listening to and meeting other women in the industry because yeah. it's not that many of us still. I mean, again, 200 sounds like a good number, but no, looking sure, at it, yeah. uh, it's a global one. So, yeah, yeah, it, um, yeah so it's really, and then off of, because I'm not on Facebook, I thought, well, it'd be nice to have a presence for women who are sound, which are, is not social media kind of yeah. dependent. So I we made this I made this website. We, we checked with a membership if they something that they'd be interesting. Because it's always inter you know important to check demand for these things before you set, oh, yeah. set out to create a whole website. Um, but also I also envisioned it would be a place we can add resources for anyone starting out mm -hmm. or start their career, wanting to look for resources where they can look for um, advice, bursaries, training, courses, yeah. um, and also to read about, read in, you know, find interviews with, with other women who work in, in sound and professionally and just, you know, being that, show, having that reference, yeah. which is really important. Yeah, Definitely. sure which I didn't really have much of starting out. No. So we always yeah. looked back going, if only had more women to look up to yeah. when I started out, who knows, I might yeah. have had a, had quite a easier ride, become, you know, start my freelance career, things like that. You always yeah. think back, you know, but um, oh yeah. So, and also we have this page called the gallery, which is actually made me quite emotional. <laughs> it's oh, really? Look, though. Yeah, because I think Anna, so I think that was Anna's idea. She starts sending over photos of all our members kind of at work because we asked them can you can you take some pictures of you you know at work you know so we got boom operators we got production sound mixers we got in the studio we got mixers you know uh foley lots of great photos of, of, of uh foley artists so um sending over pictures and i we just realized we have to i have to create this gallery so we can sh show off you know show yeah. that this is look we're all here we're all working there's don't ever come and say that no yeah. you know we, we couldn't find a woman doing this role exactly. we're all there yeah. yeah and um also for uh for yeah for other women to see kind of to come and yeah, just see. There's a place you can go. Like yeah, here we are. We've got reference. There's a community. There's a network, which is I think is quite powerful to yeah. have. That's yeah. great. And um, uh, do you remember the what's the website for anyone? It's www.asound.com. Okay, that's nice and easy. Yeah, perfect. So everyone check it out. Yeah, Definitely please do. Yeah. It's really glad to hear. Really nice to hear. I think most of my the closest creative connections I've made in sound started at socials you yeah. know and just that yeah. basic thing yeah. just meeting informally and talking to each other yeah. you know not like an interview basis just a point of interest and what brought you there in the first place and yeah. you find natural connections there of people who it's, it's think hugely like you, important. you could work yeah. with yeah because yeah. so then really you nice. see your, you can see like you can see yourself you know maybe in the future you know you get that um yeah, you can see yourself doing it if you, you it's all about relationships and it's, I know we've got su such a small industry that we're in still, mm. you know, so a lot of people know each other. So having those connections when we look for work and being recommended for stuff. Exactly. Yeah. That's sure. half the, yeah, almost sometimes yeah. Half, the, half the job. Yeah. And in the new COVID world, having a kind of online community where you're all connected, yeah. you're not relying on networking in a pub, probably yeah. a good thing. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. You know, that's a great positive to end on. I think. I think that, so. Yeah. yeah. Idea going looking forward. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just want to say thank you very much again, Anna. It's thank a you. To meet you. I've it's been great. So enjoyed this day. Yeah. It's yeah. been a dream sitting out here with you out here on the beach. We're basically on holiday, aren't we? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Every so podcast like from now on. Yeah. <laughs> Do we know anyone in Barbados? <laughs> Start looking today. I think. Yeah. I'll ask around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Brilliant. Yeah, thanks, oh, yeah. Anna. Thank you. Thank you so much.
so uh, we've uh, waved goodbye to Anna and we've made our way into the sea quite literally as Owen and I are now standing up to our knees in the English Channel with the waves lapping around us onto the stones. I'm holding my Tascam DR100 Mark III with a Sony ECM77B uh, lav and uh, a Bubble Bee wind bubble. Yeah, we're both being protected from the wind from Bubble Bee wind bubbles. Uh, yeah. In my case, with a Sony D100, I'm speaking on a DPA lav, uh, as we did in the interview with Anna. Yeah. But we also had a Sennheiser Ambio, with thanks to the sustaining members Sennheiser for providing that. Yeah, thanks to Bubble Bee also for their wind protection, another um, sustaining member. Um, and it was a really interesting discussion with Anna, wasn't it? Yeah, we enjoyed like getting more insights into the, the roles of sound design and her experience as a sound designer and supervising sound editor. Yeah. And also some more insights into the specific films we discussed. Yeah. Uh, and if you found it interesting too, we'd love to hear from you. You can reach us in the usual channels. Uh, we're on Twitter as Amps Podcast and also via email at ampspodcast at gmail.com. Yeah, and if you're interested in joining Amps, people who are working in the industry or studying and hoping to build a career in the industry, um, it's, AMPS is open to members and for more information you can go to amps.net. Yeah, see you next time. See you again.